We cover all bases, face it, you can't erase us Back and forth, watch where it take us Cultural topics and sports, baby, you know we got it Always our response is amazing All bases covered, yeah Yeah, you know you love it, our thoughts, they be off of the dome First to the second, the topics, they change like the weather Then you know we bringing it home We cover all bases, face it, you can't erase us Back and forth, watch how we shine Cultural topics and sports, baby, you know we got it Always our responses be prime All bases covered, Woo. Yeah, you know you love it, no limits to where we can go So do grab a Welcome to the All Bases Covered podcast. That was our newest intro. Curtis. Love it, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it, too. That's courtesy I bet of you RX, our producer uh, our did Rebel that. Rebel 504. Thank you, Rebel 504, for that awesome intro. Uh, we're loving it. Um, guys, I'm excited. What did Josh say? Josh, what did you say? Oh, sorry. I, I said, was that our uh, fearless producer that that put that together? No, no, sorry. Joe can't take credit for that one. That's a real artist. <laughs> Boy, so uh, we're back here on a Monday. Uh, it was, uh, we didn't do a show on, we ended up not doing a show on Friday. We just, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to cover and we were missing Joe and Josh and there just wasn't, we were stretched pretty thin on topics. We were going to really have to <laughs> really get creative. So, uh, we're back at it on a Monday. Excited to be here. Football season is is around the corner. We got about two weeks left of of, of non event uh, stuff, and then once the fall gets here, with college football and the NFL, as well as uh, the start of NBA, man, we're we're gonna have too much to talk about. So uh, let's uh, let's get into it, boys. Um, Fernando Tatis uh, suspended now. He's out for the rest of the season. He hasn't played at all this year. He was he hurt himself in the um, it was uh, a motorcycle accident, right? Yeah, some kind of accident uh, that he got hurt before the season started. He missed spring training, uh, and it was his wrist, right, Mike? It was his wrist. Yeah, it was yeah, his wrist. Correct. He was originally supposed to come back in like late May, June, and playoff push type of deal, right? And then all of a sudden, it, it, June hit, and it's like, oh, well, it might be the end of June, beginning of July. And then it, then it's like, oh, well, maybe end of July, beginning of August. So he'd already missed a good chunk of the season. Now with this PED test, um, he's going to miss the rest of the season in like 30 games next year. And for the Padres, this has got to be a big blow to their championship aspirations. Like they – they just paid him too, right? They paid him like a ridiculous amount of money, like a thirteen-year, four hundred or three hundred million dollar contract. I, mean, I don't know what it was, but they 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 just brought in Juan Soto, which was huge. that's a pretty good compensation to not have him, though, right? What's that? I mean, if you if you expect to to go the rest of the season without Fernando, you know, having Soto there is a good like fill-in, you know, for not having a good player, right? I, yeah, but I think like they're they not going to lose the beat. Fernando Tatis. I, I think they were planning on having him back by the end of the year for the playoffs. What'd you say, Josh? So they they were planning on having Tatis back for the playoff push. Yeah. is what they were expecting. So it kind of does hurt their chances a little bit. When they really needed him to get past the Dodgers because that lineup with Tatis and Soto. And and Machado 
and company would have been really, really tough to beat. But no, now, but Soto didn't come into the com- conversation until, like, recently, you know. But that's what I'm saying is they were planning on having Tatis back, and then that, that lineup with Soto would have been uh, – you adding Soto to a lineup that had Tatis back and Manny Machado and a couple other dudes, uh, uh, Trent Grisham, it was going to be deadly. But now without Tatis there, it really takes some of the thing out. And they're 16 games out of first place in the West. They are 16 games behind. That's the a time. sizable. That's a sizable lead. To, to... It is a very. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they were planning on the division. I think they were going for the wild card. Yeah, that's fine. You know, they're going for the wild card. But right now, in that race, they are currently they're a half game behind uh, Atlanta for the number one wild card spot, and they're only a game. They're only a game up. Uh, they're not even a game up on Philly. They're a half game up. I'm sorry. They're a half game up on Philly, and they're five and a half games behind Atlanta. And it's two wild cards, right? Is it two wild cards that make it? Yeah. Josh, no, what did they It's change? two wild cards. No, okay, it, it so, is two wild cards now. Okay. So the Padres have to – they're not even guaranteed to make it. They're they're only a half game up on, on Philly. They're a game and a half up on Milwaukee. And they're, they're, they're six games, almost six games back of Atlanta. So, You think they're know. betting it all for next year, man? I, I think they wanted to win this year because San Diego's not a big market. San Diego's a small market, TV-wise. Uh, I don't know how long they can plan on paying all these guys. No, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Louie on that one. I, I think they're trying to win now. That's why they made that, that move to get Soto, is to win now. Yeah, uh, just to compete with the Dodgers. Yeah, and they can't compete with the Dodgers. If you look at the Padres' record, they, and that's the thing that Rick Sutcliffe was talking about, you got to be able to beat your nemesis and to get over that hump. And the and the Padres can't do it. The 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 um <laughs> since 2012, the Dodgers are 127 and 63 against the Padres. If you look at this season. That's like an ass-whooping galore, dude. <laughs> it is an ass-whooping galore. This season, the Do- the Dodgers are are 13-5 and five against the Padres. They're 13-5 and five against the Padres. Like, it's, they can't get over that hump. And the, and the Dodgers are – do you know that going into July, the Padres were two games back of the Dodgers, and now they're 16 games back. I it's just I I don't know I I think if you look at the teams I don't think San Diego has the pitching and I think even, as good as their lineup is I don't think their lineup can compete with the Dodgers the Braves or the Mets I think those are the three best teams in the National League right now and I I unfortunately I don't think the Padres without anybody is going to be able to do anything oh we got a caller calling in so let's see who this is. That's me. Hello? Oh, oh Joe. Hey, okay, that's me. Yeah. All right. Audio difficulties. Hey, Mike, yeah. so I was going to point something out. Like, uh, yeah. you know, since you mentioned, the, you know, the, the, the Dodgers and and uh, all these other teams, uh, I can see how, how the, the Padres are, like, possibly behind this year, but you don't think it's sustainable for another year? They're, like, going into next year? You don't think it's sustainable? I'm not saying it's not sustainable. I they can definitely compete next year, but what I'm saying is Soto needs a new contract. The Padres haven't given him one yet. 
I, I think he's got one season left. And then if he decides he wants to stay in San Diego, he will. If he decides he doesn't want to, he'll go somewhere else, possibly to the Dodgers or possibly over to the Yankees. Who knows? But it's honestly, it's, it's crazy to me that um, that the Padres just can't seem for all of this money they've spent and putting the, a pretty good roster together. They just can't get over the hump, and I—I'll I, be honest with you. I just—I don't like—I don't like their pitching as much as other as other teams. I, they got some decent starters with you, Darvish, and Blake Snell, but and they just made the, the biggest Mike move Clevenger. they made was to fire the deadline, which was huge. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think right, they, they were going they were going for uh, a big W this year, but. Uh, Tatis being out, that's going to hit a huge blow. Um, yeah, I I don't agree with you. With they don't they have the worst pitching staff out of the ones they they do have a decent pitching staff with Darvish. But um, but uh, yeah, with is it better. I didn't say it was a garbage pitching staff. What I said was compared to the top three teams of the Mets, the Braves, and the Dodgers. Now the Dodgers were just dealt a blow today with Walker Bueller being out for the season, but. If you look at if you look at the Mets pitching staff, and you look at you go down the line here, and you say, okay, well, the Mets top three starters, which in a five game series you only have to win three games if, if they're playing in the, in the divisional round, right? Well, the Mets are rolling out Jacob Degrom, Max Scherzer, and um, uh, and, and Carlos Carrasco or Chris Bassett, uh, which is a really good top three, but those top two and DeGrom and Scherzer are hands down probably better than any, what any other team has. And if in the seven game series, you can guarantee that you would see Scherzer and DeGrom twice each. So that's four games right there of those top two. Uh, And I just, I don't think the Padres have a one, two combination like that uh, at all. You know, I, that's why I think. And Scherzer's really kind of beat the odds as a as a pitcher. You know, at his age, what he's still able to do, yeah. not many people are, not many pitchers are able to do that. You know, Verlander's another one that's been pr- yeah. pretty good in his late later stages. But you know, I wouldn't say that Hugh Darvish has been bad. You know, because he is slowly aging now. I I think yeah. you can see it. Um, but he's still an ace. But they need two of them really. And Blake Snell really hasn't been the guy that he was in Tampa Bay. He just, if you look at his pitching, if you look at his stats since coming over from Tampa Bay, he's he's not he's not really been the same pitcher that we saw. Um, You know his um, his ERA uh, in Tampa Bay uh, was outstanding. Typically, he had a four point two ERA last season in San Diego and a 3.6 ERA, which is okay in San Diego. But San Diego is a pitcher-friendly park. They play in one of the biggest parks and one of the most pitcher-friendly parks in all Major League Baseball. Petco Park is – so his ERA should honestly be a lot lower than 3.6. I mean, that's – you know, considering that in 2018 in the American League. Now, Tampa Bay also plays in the same division as the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. He had an ERA of 1.89, and he won 21 games. And, and the, Yanke- was- the Yankees, you know, their, their stadium, the hitters, 
It is. Hitter's part. Right. And so is Fenway even. So I just, you know, I I don't think he's been as dominant. I I don't think he's been worth the money that San Diego thought they were getting. So, but it's going to, I I don't know. I I would say. Do you think they should have swung for a pitcher instead of, of Soto? Yeah. Yeah. But the problem no, is there wasn't really a lot hitter. of on the market unless they wanted to go after Luis Castillo. But the, there wasn't really that guy on the market that they could get is the only big problem. Uh, and they would have had to give up prospects to get Castillo, and then they would have been depleted to try to get Soto as well. So I don't know. But it's, it's, maybe it's a good thing they got Soto with the Tati suspension. So, All so right, speaking, guys. Speaking of the, the – let me let me uh speaking of the Tatis yeah, suspension, eighty games. MLB suspends a player for PDs for half the season. NFL yeah. suspends uh a wide receiver six games, so a third of the season. Uh and then sexual assault suspend the guy for two years. NFL suspends a guy for four games. Well, yeah. six games, sorry. Six games. So why why is there such a disparity between MLB and the NFL when it comes to suspending players? It, it seems like because the, there's no the, salary cap, right? Baseball. There's no salary cap. They're paying their players a lot more, Josh. So so they want they want the 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 fines to and they play longer too. You have longevity. You, you know you want them to be serious when it comes to uh, you know what, whether you're using any sort of you know performance enhancing drugs at all. I think that no, I the fact I, I that think, this guy got I think paid. MLB is... Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, ahead, I like how MLB suspends their players a lot longer. They're taking their players and holding them accountable, where the NFL, I don't feel like they do that. No, yeah, they don't. Because they need the revenue that year. They only have 16 games. They need, they need that revenue of whatever player it is, you know, um, to bring in that revenue for that team to, to make more money. And that's the part what I was going to go, into, go, go on to saying is that, like, I firmly believe that paying a 23, 24, 25-year-old $300 million plus million, it's going to come with some, you know, you have to start putting clauses into these people, these kids' contracts because it's going to come with some negative drama that at some point the clubhouse is going to have to deal with. Uh, they're already saying that the people are pretty mad inside the Padres clubhouse with Tatis, which could cost. I mean, you paid the guy three hundred million dollars. Hell yeah, I'd be I'd be pissed off. You know, no, that that team is counting on making a deep run. This exactly. Year. And, now, and, now all of a sudden they become super relevant, and yeah. they're counting on someone like him, and that just shows his, how irresponsible he is, even tenfold. I, I, I took it another way, Josh, with what you were saying about suspensions. I don't think the NFL owners care. I, that's why they, they, they get the, the suspensions are like four games, six games, because I, don't, I, I think the owners don't give a shit what the players do off the field. And you have heard uh, – I heard Jerry Glanville once say, uh, the old coach for the Oilers and the Falcons, who once said, we don't want a bunch of choir boys out here playing. They don't. They don't want goody two shoes. Maybe if you're the quarterback, they like you to be uh, clean cut, like a, like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady. But if you're a linebacker or, or a defensive end, 
or a, or a running back. They don't. Get yeah, it. you want someone to bring the hurt, man. Someone that yeah. has like some built-up aggression towards the if world, maybe. Lewis escaped a murder charge, and everybody yeah. just forgets. Everybody just forgets that Ray completely Lewis completely forgets that, bro. Yeah, they they completely. It's almost like Snoop Dogg, right? Ray Lewis is the is the football version of Snoop Dogg. Yep, Snoop, Snoop got away clean with <laughs> something he shouldn't probably shouldn't have gotten away with. You know? Yeah, exactly. Now Snoop, nobody forgets. And now Snoop Dogg's like a cuddly celebrity hanging out. Yeah, with Martin Stewart, yeah, you know making I mean? tons of money. Yeah, he could have still been in jail, bro. Nobody, nobody remembers when he was Snoop D O double fucking G. And, and gang banging in the streets of Compton, man. And that's the same thing with Ray Lewis. Nobody gives a shit anymore. Now Ray Lewis is like this this ambassador for the fucking game and, and rolling around on Sunday night football and coming to games on the sideline in his fur coat. Like, nobody gives a shit. Everybody fucking forgets. Nobody's, but you know what? That's the way it is. If you're good enough, if you're good enough at something, people will always – fucking forgive you like Ray Rice doesn't get forgiven because he he was at the tail end of his career he sucked Colin Kaepernick doesn't get forgiven because he was Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Ray Rice didn't suck at that time he was he was he was a 3.1 3.2 YPC the only reason why he was surviving is because of those receptions oh I would he was irrelevant like you know he was coming to an end like he was churning his wheels in the wrong direction yeah. Now, he was hold on, hold on. No, dude, he was 30 years old when he got hit with that. There's no, no way. No, he wasn't. He was 26. How, he was oh, he was 26? Yeah, he was still young. Year, no, but listen, guys. Wait. Pause. So, to Sam's point, his yards per rush was 3.1. That season, 2013, he played in 15 games before basically never being heard from again. He ran 214 times for just 660 yards. Yeah, he was on his way touchdowns. out. He was 3.1 yards per carry, and he was 20. He was 26. So, no, I don't think he had two or three good years left. I think he was done. He was Trent Richardson at that point. Yeah, he was Trent Richardson, or he was fucking um, Mark Ingram or somebody. Like, uh, he just – he wasn't – that it's why if that's, do you think that if Ray Rice was at the peak of his power still and running if if that oh no they, the NFL would forgive him so oh, yeah, the Ravens would have they would slap him. yeah yeah they would slap him maybe maybe with like a year year suspension maybe puts him back in the game at twenty seven yeah. he's still playing yeah I mean now honestly hold on I got... if he hadn't ran for only six hundred and sixty yards if he had ran for twelve hundred yards uh, and six uh, touchdowns and taught like 70 balls for like 400 yards, I, I think he's in the league a la Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt has just as egregious an act as Ray Rice did. And also caught on video as well. Yeah, but since Kareem Hunt was running for 1,400 yards, uh, he got another job. So, Can you hear me? Yeah. Good, Joe. Joe. Okay. So 100% agree, first of all, NFL versus Major League Baseball when it comes to um, holding their players accountable. Uh, Major League Baseball, you know, leaps and bounds better than the NFL. Now, are they perfect? No. But at the same time, the excuse of and, – and I know you weren't using an excuse. I know you're – you know, it's, it's the truth. I mean, if you're putting up numbers, they overlook shit, period. And – the sad part is, is that shouldn't be like, I'm sorry, but 
I mean, you look at how many NFL players there are in the entire league, and there's only a handful of jokers that break the uh, do these heinous bullshit. Like the repeat offenders, you're saying? I don't care if you re- Here's the thing, like like Deshaun Watson, like whether it was his first time or his last time, uh, 24 yeah, women. What's sex- wrong is wrong is wrong, right? What's wrong is wrong, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, but you know what? See, you know, Joe, to, to your thought, I just want to point one thing out real quick. The NFL has, I mean, I'm not standing up. I, I absolutely agree with that. The N, what I was getting to is the NFL has 16 games to capitalize on their players from a monetary standpoint. The, the, the MLB is 162 games. Is it, um, you know, the NBA has 82 games. All right. So you're looking at like the spectrum. They, they, they forgive their felons that they have on their team because they have 16 games a year only. No, I agree with you. It really is sad. It's sad no, that they I do agree that. with you, and that's a problem. That You're 100% right. It, it is sad. It is very – it is a huge problem that uh, basically we are teaching, uh, you know, children and, uh, you know, other people that uh, you can do whatever you want as long as you make enough money. Hey – all, all we know they is had the audio, NFL, they had audio clips. They, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. I say the only thing the NFL has taught us is they say they care about women, but they can care less about women. They show us yeah. over and over and over. Was oh, it the third or fourth time now that shit like this has been, oh, okay, here's here's four games. Here's six games. Um uh, one year. Uh, here, well, I mean, here's this for this. Well, Josh, I mean, Dude, even so the, take so away. For Tyreek Hill, Tyree Hill, they had audio clips of him choking his pregnant ex-girlfriend. Right. And they somehow they, still drafted this guy. Like, what you know, if, the hell, dude? I mean, take well, away. Well, I mean, the Bengals are kind of on there, too, with uh, Joe Mixon. I mean, with Mixon, yeah, Mixon. you're right. You do. You have that yeah, but, same let me just point this out. Let me point this out about Mixon and and before and then we gotta really move on. But with Mixon, he was in college at the time, and the woman supposedly we don't know so Tyreek uttered a social uh, uttered a racial slur at him. Whatever. He but Mixon has kept his nose clean since coming to the NFL, and he has been a stand up member of the community for Cincinnati, doing a lot of volunteer work. He has out of trouble. You haven't heard a peep from Joe Mixon since that incident in college. Uh, you know what that means, dude? That means that he was guilty and he felt bad that he did that. Well, either means I mean, guilty or maybe no, he heard because people make mistakes when they're young. He was, what, 19 years old when that happened? 19 or 20 well, years old? I mean, I'm not owning it. Yeah, it was, it was dumb. Stupid. But, so, but, in but college, at the same time, hey, Luke, kind of throw in here. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, whether he felt bad or not, uh, he didn't say he didn't do it. You know, he punched her, but he also says, you know, the reason he punched her is because she used a racial slur against him. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, uh, but I'm sorry, man. That's still I mean, not justification for punching somebody. Well, actually, I mean, I, guess what? It's 2022. Um, you know, at the time, it was, what, 2000. 14, 2015, uh, 16 or 17, 60, 17. Anyway, uh, we live in a world where guess what? 
your words have consequences. And if you if you call someone a certain name, you better be prepared to get jacked up. Like, I mean, what women want equal rights, equal pay. So if you run your mouth like a man, you're going to get punched like a man. How about that? Is that uh, or is that going to get us canceled? So, you're going to get canceled, dude. Like, I mean, ASAP. don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> don't, no, no. I mean, lose a hundred percent correct. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I will. I was not raised that way. Like, I I was raised right. never put your hands on a woman. Um. Now. You know, but that's the way I was. The only way, the only way I ever put a hand on a woman for thirty years. He he was so raised with such morals that Joe refused to ever touch a woman for thirty five years until he got married. Hey, where's that sound button on the want want want? Unbelievable. Sorry, Joe. I had to. In other news, the Prime Minister of Sweden visited. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. All right. Here we go. All right, let's move on here for the case for the hall because we've actually already got 30 we've almost gone through 30 minutes of show. Um, base, the Baseball Hall of Fame is probably the most difficult Hall of Fame to get into. I would say the NBA has to be the easiest. Uh, I feel like if you were, like, a star sixth man of the year, you're in the NBA Hall of Fame. Like, I'm surprised Robert Ori isn't in the NBA Hall of the Basketball Hall of Fame yet. But and Major League Baseball, a lot tougher to get in. Um, there was a lot of – there's a lot of guys sitting out there. And I wanna, I'm going to ask you guys if you think they're Hall worthy. The first candidate we're going to look at is Buster Posey. Buster Posey played for the Giants. He was a catcher. He played uh, roughly 13 seasons with the Giants. He he was a seven-time All-Star, one-time Gold Glove of the Gold Glove winner, Rookie of the Year, NL MVP in 2012, and he won three World Series titles with them in 2010, 2012, and 2014. But where he comes up woefully short, short is some of the milestones here. He doesn't he doesn't have a lot of Gold Gloves. He only has one. Most most catchers that are really good defensively. That so, like, Pudge, how many does Pudge have? Pudge has 13 gold gloves. Well, yeah, that's, okay. that's well, your, like, creme de la creme in your position. Yeah, I, I, you know, no, I would say that. it's not even Pudge. It's Yadier Molina. Yadier yeah. well, took okay, a yeah. lot of them uh, gold gloves away. Oh, that's true. Yadier Molina was in the National League as a catcher. Um, I did, uh, But – Posey also lacks the offensive stats like a Piazza might have. He is a career 302 hitter, but he only has 1,500 hits, and he only has 158 home runs in his career. Way, 1,500 needs to be higher, in my opinion. It does, or the home runs need to be higher, right? Uh, whereas Yadier Molina here, he's a 10-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, nine-time Gold Glove winner, has 2,148 hits and 173 home runs. So – Molina is low. That sounds way better. Molina is a likely shoo-in, but Posey has an MVP. He's a seven-time All-Star. Some people think he's got a case. I, I don't think he gets in. I, I just don't think he has the stats to back I, it up. I don't know how you guys feel. I think he gets in. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Fame. I think he's probably oh. second, third, or fourth. You do think Posey uh, gets but in? But I don't think he gets in. I think he gets in. Wow. Yeah, because if you, if you okay. watch them Giants teams that won the series, he was the reason why. 
that they won. No, they're pitching, man. What? Their pitching in those years was why they won. They, he was still a big part of that offense to get them there, though. If you go back and watch him, he was a big part of the offensive uh, game plan with that. But, yeah, I mean, the pitching was gr- good. Uh, but when he was catching, he probably was one of the better defenders through uh, the National League. Unfortunately, Yadier Molina was a little bit better. Um, yeah. the, I think the Reds catcher won it twice. Uh, Tucker Barnhart won it once or twice during that time he was catching. I think he gets in. It probably it's not it's definitely not going to be first ballot Hall of Fame, but I think he does get in. Okay. All right. Joe or Sam? I, I, I'm I'm saying no. I don't think Posey's getting in. I I I think he. I I don't think he has the career stats to back up to back up getting in. I I also don't think when you look at Posey that he was one of the three best players at his position at any one point in time. And he also played in an era where he probably should have mustered more offense than that. Yeah, yeah. 158 home runs in what, in 13 seasons is not, it's not that great. I think two of the seasons, he was, he was hurt for most of the seasons too. Yeah, that's true. He did have a a concussion and, yeah. yeah. All right, guys. The next, the next candidate we have, and this to me, this is a yes for me. But um, uh, we'll see what you guys think. Jimmy Rollins, shortstop on the Phillies. He was a starting shortstop when they won the World Series in 2008. He's a three-time All-Star only, but he has a National League MVP. He won four Gold Gloves. He has 2,455 hits, 230 home runs, and. Uh, uh, career 264 batting average. I I personally I think Rollins is in or he should be in. Um, I think he was one of the better shortstops during his time. You know he played for 16 seasons with the Phillies. Um, the the only thing that's a knock on him is probably the fact that he only has three All Star appearances. But uh, again, All Stars. With baseball, a lot of it is fan voted, and then every team has to have one representative. So, you know, you play a position that's kind of loaded in whatever the National League or the American League, it could contribute to you not making it. But I, I think Rollins gets in. And to me, Josh, like you were saying, Buster Posey, Rollins is probably not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I could see him getting in after five or six attempts. Uh, I'll, have, I'll agree with that. I think he did enough to, to probably get in. Uh, again, not not a first ballot. Um, I, I think first ballot's really really tough to get on unless you just crush it your whole career. You have to be the best player at your position for a decade, I think, to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like someone like Albert Pujols, Ken Griffey Jr., Cal Ripken. But I, I, so this was Jimmy Rollins' first year on the ballot. This was his very first time. This 2022 was his first year on the ballot. He only garnered 9.4% of the vote. So, he's got the so yeah, he's definitely not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, definitely but, not a first ballot. Might, might not even get in on his fifth or sixth try unless those numbers come up uh, exponentially. Right, but also, I mean, the good part is, though, is, I mean, he did receive the minimum 5% uh, 
to stay on the sure, ballot for next year. Yeah, you're right. Um, but it's also, I mean, the one one of the things that I drive me crazy about the Hall of Fame is um, it's a mixture of not just stats, but also public opinion. And, yeah. you know, and I mean, that's the problem is right now, I mean, it, you know, who, who else was Jimmy Rollins going up against on the ballot? Oh, quite a, I mean, quite a few people, David Ortiz, uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Scott Rowland, uh, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Jeff Kent, Omar Vizquel, uh, Kurt Schilling. But Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens are all falling off the ballot after this season. Uh, unfortunately, Bonds and Clemens are not in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think they should be. They're always be damned. Well, the, so. the, seven, the seven people that got – look like they're going to be – or that got inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. So David Ortiz, uh, Tony uh, Oliva, Oliva, Liva, Minnesota Twins, yeah. um, Buck O'Neill, Minnie uh, Minosa – I'm saying that wrong um, – Jim Cat, Gil Hodges, and Bud Fowler. And all of them, I think, I think they're all older players. Yeah, they're all and the – So the, that means David committee. Ortiz was the only one. Yeah, David Ortiz was the only one that, that got voted in. And uh, I'll, I'll agree other, with Joe. I think, is, I, I think a lot of it is – I think a lot of it is public perception with the writers. They're the ones who vote them in. Yeah. I mean, because right. we can look at uh, – in Cincinnati here, Barry Larkin wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. Was I think second ballot? Uh, no, you third, look at third his or fourth. Uh, okay, but you look at his stats through his career; they are very, very eerily similar to Derek Jeter. And Derek Jeter was one of the highest uh, voted for players. Yeah, because he so, has all those World Series titles, and he played for the Yankees. Correct. If Derek, if, Derek exactly. Jeter had played, if Derek Jeter played for the Royals, he probably is not getting in on the first ballot Hall of Fame. Well, so, and, yes, and that's, he did have some great Octobers. But yeah, that, yeah exactly. that's also the you know the point is you know yeah. are you getting into the Hall of Fame because uh, you were on a good team or because you were a phenomenal player? Like yeah. you know, is that's Omar where the question should come in. No, no more, nowhere near sniffing the yeah. hall. Yeah. yeah, he probably shouldn't. But uh, he was relevant for a short period of time when yeah. Jeter was yeah. was relevant as well. I think that's the problem is that Nomar was not good for an extended period of time. He was really good for roughly about seven seasons, and then he really tailed off after that. Um, so. But yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think uh, some of these guys. Uh, you know, I'm going to skip through some of the other ones because we're running out of time. But uh, I, I think Rollins deserves it. We'll see though. He's a, having only been you know on nine percent of the vote or whatever. He he's, they got a what's the threshold? Seventy two percent they have to appear on. So he's got he's got quite a bit of ground to make up now with some of these other guys that were eating up votes like Bonds and Clemens falling off, maybe he goes up to like 30% next year or so. But it, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. All right, we're going to do a little bit of uh, fantasy talk before we get to our last segment uh, here. So 
Um, I want I want to ask you guys, um, Joe and and Sam here. Quarterback, it's depending on the league that you take that you play in. Some quarterbacks, maybe they go first-round picks if it's a pass-heavy fantasy league or there's a lot of bonus points. Uh, typically, for the league that Josh and I are in, quarterbacks tend to go. Some uh, One or two quarterbacks might go the first two rounds, but really you start to see the run of quarterbacks going like the fifth or sixth round. Right now, Patrick Mahomes is currently being drafted as the third quarterback in fantasy behind Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Is that too high? No. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, I would say it's a little too high. Uh, No, it's not too high. Well, I'm saying it's – so here's why I'm saying it's a little too high. I'm saying it's a little too high. I I still think he's the top five, um, but three, not so much. And the reason I say that is because – and, Josh, you made this point uh, a couple weeks ago – um, the Bengals kind of exposed how to manipulate or, you know, handle him. And I feel like a lot of teams are going to take advantage of those play, um, you know, watching the films and are going to try to make the adjustments they need to. So he's still a high quality quarterback. I'm not taking away from that. He's still a top five, but I just don't think he's number three. Okay. So, so no, I, uh, I would Mike, put him above Justin put... Herbert. I think Josh Allen definitely is number one. Uh, I would I would put Mahomes number two. All right, go ahead. Okay, you got Mahomes number two. All right, Sam, what were you about to say? So in our standard league, you know, even your elite quarterbacks are being taken in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. So like oh. last year, Mahomes went in the fourth, and we thought it was too high. And then yeah. because I saw Mahomes go in the fourth. I was like, I'm not waiting. When I got to the fifth, I picked up Josh Allen in the fifth last year. And right after I picked up Josh Allen, the guy behind me picked up Kyler Murray. Okay. So, um, and I know you were expecting, people were expecting a lot more out of Kyler last year. But if you're going to be taken, in a standard league, quarterbacks are taken way late. That's just the way that it is. Because you have, you have good, you have, you know, you have points that you can get but you want to shore up other positions at that point. You know, you can stream yeah. somebody really if you wanted to. So, um, you know, but going back to the other positions, uh, why Patrick Mahomes I think is not worthy of that third spot is because there's a lot of people that are chomping at the bits at the third, at that third position. You know, you have Allen, you have Herbert, even if you want to say Herbert is number three and somehow you want to throw in, I don't know, in the top, Aaron Rodgers, I believe, still believes belongs somewhere in the top five. You know, yeah. Um, I don't know where, but somewhere there. You know, and he has the ability. He's coming off an MVP season. He has he has the ability. Even losing Devonta Adams, he still has the ability to do very well this year, just because of the type of player he is. Yeah. I and it, I think it all depends on what what league you're in. If you're in a PPR or if you're in a standard league too. So that's true. Uh, I think I think with Mahomes' ability to break out of a pocket a little bit more, um, that's yeah. why he adds a little bit more value. Uh, I know Herbert can turn the wheels on here and there, but he's more stays in the pocket. I mean, and you said another quarterback that that likes to get out is you got two other ones. You got Lamar Jackson, and then you got Tyler Murray. So PPR, it's it's really tough to figure out that top quarterback. Yeah. 
I agree. Yeah, but you know what? In standard, that see, that's a disparity. In standard, you'll never have a quarterback drafted in the first round, ever. Yeah, ever. true. That's right. You had a guy, the way Charlie, take Peyton Manning, number one overall. Yeah, but he made it to uh, he made it to the playoffs that year because Peyton Manning was there. He won that year. Points. No, he didn't. That's not he won that he year. I don't. Did he? Oh, okay. okay, I thought it was okay. the year he won. No, he might. You might be right, but I, I, I but I, I just remember like him having a dog shit team. But since Peyton Manning was putting up sixty five points every week, the rest of his team only had to average like ten points each, uh, and he would still score like one hundred and sixty points. So. All right, let's let's talk some players that might outperform their average draft position. Um, do you think Cam Akers is going to outperform his average draft position, which currently no. is about the 14th running back off the board? He's going in about the third, the third or fourth round in most drafts. Is he going? Is he going to outperform that uh, position? This I don't think so. I don't think so. Even if he is conditioned off the Achilles now and he's had a good, great camp, a good preseason, everything, I still believe that they want a more balanced attack. So it might be like a D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart type of scenario with, with Henderson okay. um, in L.A. And that's to keep the rest of the NFL defenses on their feet. They don't want to become one-dimensional when it comes to the game. Okay, interesting. Um I'm not sure on Cam Akers. I'm not high on him as a lot of the consensus are. A lot of people are thinking Cam Akers is going to be a top six running back this season in the Rams offense. I don't personally see it. Uh, Me neither. I'm with Sam on that one. I think if Cam Akers is there in the third or fourth round, maybe even the fifth, he's worth taking there. Um, But there's a lot of other running backs that I would rather personally have on my team other than Cam Akers. Like, I, I, I'm i pretty, you know, I'm, I'm trying to – You I'm love Bryce Hall, we know. You're on his dick. Who? Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall. We no, know you're on his not dick. Not Bryce. Get it right, Josh. Bryce Hall, my that's bad. not who I was going to say. That's not who I was going to say. Actually, the person I was going to say that I, I'm actually higher on than um, – but then what's the face? Kenny Walker. If he gets his chances, I think he's the best running back on the team, but we'll see what happens. But Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots, um, I think if, I think he's a better back than Damian Harris. I think he's got more power. I think he hits uh, – I, I think he's got better vision. And I, I really feel like if Belichick stops playing fucking musical chairs with his running backs – I hate owning a, a New England running back, dude. It's like – it's like you you end up sometimes with like two cuffs on your starting running back. It's wild. It's I so know. stupid. It's so stupid, bro. But I feel like if Stevenson yeah, got and this hair, year it's going to be even worse because we don't know who the offensive coordinator is either. That's true. They don't know who the defense coordinator is. They don't know who the offensive coordinator is. So. I hear that they're going to put Matt Patricia back into the defensive coordinator position because he's like a special roles consultant or some shit like that uh, on the team right now. Um, they oh, might so- just put throw uh, Matt Patricia in that position. Let me ask you a question. How big of a shit did you take uh, Friday night? (laughs) Because your boy is almost gone for the season. 
Listen, man, I already heard everything that I had to hear. So <laughs> everything that you're saying is going in one year and out the other. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. But you know what the thing is, Joe, and I love that you threw in that sign bite. I have a rule. I have a rule with my buddies back in Jersey, and the rule is because we have Eagles fans, Giants fans, all kinds of jackasses, right? So uh, I, have, I have a rule. The rule is don't talk to me about the Jets unless I talk to you about the Jets. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Broke That's really what it is. Don't talk to me about the Jets unless I talk to you about the Jets. And I feel like Bengals fans are the same, too. You guys have been shitted on for years. Now all of a sudden, everyone. Now that you're relevant, everyone's hopping on the bandwagon, on the borough bandwagon. And, and you know what? When you guys do bad, they're gonna be haters everywhere. Like fucking Nick Wright. I I would tell Nick Wright, don't talk to me about the Bengals unless I talk to you about the motherfucking Bengals. <laughs> I mean, I would just ask that question, like, because I was freaked out because I think they have a shot at playoffs if he's healthy. So. I was just trying to get your opinion on. No, nah, like, man, you know what? I think we've actually. I, I honestly, I genuinely think that we've struck out when it comes to QBs. We have literally a shit string of QBs. I'm looking at next year drafting <laughs> a QB. So uh, I'm waiting for, uh, you know, uh, Mike Mike's uh, large draft board uh, when it comes to college QBs who's going to be coming in next year. And I'll be like, I hope I get this off of this. <laughs> By, by the way, I, I'm sorry to throw salt in an old wound, but, uh, yes, the Jets have been struggling to draft quarterbacks since the beginning of time. Uh, back in 1983, uh, they took a quarterback by the name of Ken O'Brien uh, while Dan Marino scored. <laughs> hey, uh, should, we, should we start talking about Nebraska now or, like, in five minutes or, you know, in Let's 30 do it seconds? Now. In other news. Yeah. The Prime yeah, Minister of Sweden. <laughs> All right. Fine. Well, I'm getting off the Jets. All right. I'm off the Jets. Okay. Just All like right, I just got go off your mom. Boom, wow. baby. hey I don't care. That is a joke from 1975 from Josh. Recycled and oldie but and it still works. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a joke, son. Don't you get it? Mike, I want to chime in real quick about yeah. someone that's being drafted or going undrafted right now. Okay. I probably should get drafted. So uh, I don't know if you've seen Brian Robinson, who is now, I think, yeah. third on the depth chart for the Commanders. Yeah. Um, he's he's uh, an absolute beast. An absolute beast. And we'll see. Gibson can't hold on to the ball for his life. That's and true. And McKissick is really good on just third down. Besides yeah. that, McKissick holds as well. So I think that Brian Robinson should be drafted in like as a as a late sleeper, probably like eleventh, you know, tenth, eleventh round or something like that. Okay. You know, very good. I I don't know. I'm not high on Brian Robinson. I wasn't high on him coming out of Alabama. If I'm looking for a guy that I think also is going undrafted in a lot of leagues, but I think he is going to bounce back in a big way. I think Marlon Mack. The... No, David Pierce is pretty much going to take that job, bro, at some point. Okay. He okay. will. I'm sorry. Okay. Pierce right. is the guy to own in that backfield, in my opinion. Okay. We'll see. Okay. All right. Very good. I like it. Um, all right. Before okay. We all right. Rotten... I like it. <laughs> Before we get into Rotten Reviews uh, and we talk about Gotti and it's 
0% rating. I, I was watching first take, and they were debating the greatest female tennis player of all time. And I, I, I it's Serena Williams, I, I think, but Chris Russo made some good points about Martina Navratilova and Steffi Groff. And, and Groff has only one less major than Serena Williams. Serena Williams won 24, Groff won 23. Martina Navratilova won 19, but she finished, sec- she finished second 10 times. Um, and she played against better competition. And, that, and so Chris Russo made the case for Martina Navratilova because if you count her doubles titles with her singles, she has 55 Grand Slam titles uh, or 55 titles compared to Serena Williams is 37. So what I wanted to ask you guys is if we're talking about the greatest of all time, whether it's in baseball or tennis or golf or basketball or whatever, how important or how much weight do you put on the competition that they face? So like, for instance, when a lot of people talk about LeBron James and Michael Jordan, they talk about the un- the unbelievable teams that LeBron faced in the finals, but they don't talk about his lack of competition to get to the finals and how terrible the East was for 10 years. When LeBron- and not to mention some of his teams were also loaded too, dude. Yeah, and LeBron you know. James also had loaded teams. And tennis, uh, Russo brought up a great point. Uh, is Martina Navratilova competed and, and beat probably four of the top six women ever to play tennis. Uh, she was in the same era as Steffi Graf and Monica Seles and Jennifer Capriati and Chris Everett. While Serena Williams, her biggest competition was Maria Sharapova, and Sharapova is not anywhere near the top 10 or 15 of women's players, tennis players of all time. So he thought that and, the competition that Martina faced should give her a bit of a leg up on Serena. Uh, and, and so – And I kind of have to agree, if you are in an era where the players are just really, really good, then I think it's easier to dominate. Like, this is the way I feel about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was a phenomenal golfer. But in his time, who was the best – who were the best players playing when Woods was at his peak from, like, 1998 to 2000 – like, 98 to 2008. During that time, that was probably Tiger Woods' peak. Who are the best players? Because if you look at Arnold Palmer and Jack David Nicholas, Duvall, they, all, they, they played against each other. And yeah, David David Duvall. But is he is David Duvall a top fifty golfer of all time? No, but at that time he probably was one of the top ones. And you still had Phil Mickelson. Um, you you have Mickelson's Sergio Garcia. Probably the best. Um, yeah, it, but Gar- Sergio uh, Garcia. What's the other guy? VJ Singh, uh, Singh was oh, another one. But but is that comparable to the competition that Nicholas had with Arnold Palmer and some of these uh, some of these guys in the in the sixties and seventies? What about that really fat guy, man? I don't uh, know his name. I don't Daly. know golf. John Daly. That's who you're thinking of. John Daly. Yeah. Uh, wasn't he okay? Wasn't he, he he wasn't relevant? I mean, he's okay. No, he's not really. But but like he didn't like. He never really dominated. I, I mean, he basically the well, highest I mean, the he's ever why been. Tiger dominated. Just, there was there was no one that could compete with Tiger at the time. Like he just blew out the competition, so you didn't hear about these other names because he made them irrelevant. 
Do you think yeah, it makes I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody by four or five strokes in the majors. Well, I mean, you also got to think. I mean, think of all the points that Tiger, uh, you know, didn't have counted for him. You know, a lot of holes in ones or, well, waitresses anyway. Uh, Las Vegas, baby. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but to, to get to your point about the Maria uh, Navratil, you also got to look at Steffi Graf. Is yeah, she yeah, quit. Course. She retired early. She retired at a younger age than a lot of these other players. She could have played another five to ten years, just like these other women, and probably had another five, six to eight majors. You know, so you can't count her off as not one of the greatest ones either. Start having some babies with Andre Agassi. True. I think it really comes down to you gotta you gotta kind of line them up stat for stat, you know, and then but, then start you going into. the same thing for Pete Sampras too. Outside of Agassi, who did he really face? I mean, you could. That's true. You can make a good case for Sampras Agassi, that, that the men at that time wasn't as great, but. So how much weight do you put in competition though? How much how much weight are we putting in that? Like is it thirty percent of the overall score for GOAT status or is it do you give more or is it like ten percent? I mean right right now I, you got I think the number of like grand slams and, and like major titles that really weighs your decision. I'm not just talking about tennis though, I'm talking about for all sports. If you're looking oh, at Oh yeah. You have to win or you have to win something major. Like the title pretty much, you know, or MVPs or title in baseball and baseball yeah i mean so in baseball you have other really you know prestigious awards like gold glover awards right you I, know I, I the mvp and mvps and things like that and all-star appearances uh, that's true but but I, number I, one I, world ranking yeah, yeah you, have to, you have to you have to be the best in your position really you know yeah. to be that's, considered um i i don't know i i, I think it's just it's a, it's one of those things where I think Serena Williams, uh, you know, the case that Russo made was that she hasn't played elite competition may be somewhat true, but I still think for my money, Serena Williams is the best women's tennis player of all time. But, yeah, it's it's just interesting to me. I and the, When we talk about competition, I, they all say that LeBron's faced better competition, but has he really faced better competition than Jordan did? Did he face better teams than Jordan did? Because I don't think Jordan did. I don't think he did because Jordan, to get to the point that he was the best in the world, had to overcome the Celtics and the Pistons at, at some point. And granted, Larry Bird was on his way down when Jordan was ascending, and the Pistons were kind of on the way on the way down. But he still beat an ascending Magic team. He swept them in the Eastern Conference Finals. He, you know, had to beat the Knicks and the Heat and other great teams. And I just – I don't think that LeBron – granted, LeBron's finals competition has been better than what Jordan faced because – No, but what he, you, have to, you also have to look at the teams that he faced those really good final teams with, you know. You also, yeah. outside of a couple of duds, he's, he's had really good players that he structured that team to become that way, either by joining them or bringing them on in another way oh. or the other, right? Well, not only that, but you also got to look at the play style. Um, I mean, if you look, if you compare the game now with LeBron versus the game when Jordan was in, I mean, Jordan went up for a layup, 
he was getting mugged. I mean, straight mugged. Yeah. Now yeah, LeBron goes up one. It is the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, you're right, Joe. That's a great point, uh, and that's what that's what uh, you know. Akeem Olajuwon said. I watched an interview with him. Akeem Olajuwon and Olajuwon and Jordan came in in the same draft class, and when they were talking, asking Olajuwon who was better between LeBron and Jordan, Olajuwon said it's not a fair comparison because Jordan played in a much tougher league than LeBron did, and and that it's no yeah. question it's Jordan. And I don't think that's old-timers being butthurt and saying, you know, repping their guys. I think it's true. If you dropped Jordan in today's game where they can't foul anybody, Jordan is averaging 40 points a game. It's it's the way it's going to go. If LeBron – LeBron had to play against the Pistons. Yeah, they had to, you know, and they were fouling him. I don't know if LeBron would have made it out. He's kind of, he's not the strongest mentally all the time. And and you know what? Those those Pistons teams didn't have one guy. They had like four of those guys. They did. They, they had they had like four or five of those guys. They had Rick Mahorn and Dennis Rodman and Bill Lambeer and, and and Mark Aguirre and I mean they have the Jordan. They had a bunch of thugs, dude. Even even Isaiah Thomas was a thug. Yeah, exactly. And they had the Jordan rules. And you know what the Jordan rules was? Chuck Daly was like, "Don't if he comes to the basket, I want you to maul him. That, that was the rule. That if he goes to the basket, he's knocking down. That's what they were – that's what John Sally in the last dance was like. That's what we were told to do. And, and you know what? You know how they did it? They, they were like, all right, everyone has five fouls each. Exactly. They, would, they would break out the game in such a manner where they would utilize that to kind of snuff them out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I, w- I would I say just... the only thing I would say that LeBron has over Jordan is the ability to have more assists, more rebounds. Overall game, I think LeBron was better. Uh, Jordan was better defensive. You scoring. add two inches to Jordan and add another 25, 30 pounds, and you might have a better LeBron, dude. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely I mean, that's, agree. That's, that's, the big, that's the big difference is LeBron – is a forward and Jordan was a two guard. How many two guards do you see that whose main objective was to be the scoring guard, not the point guard? Shooting guards don't get nine, 10 rebounds. Typically, Uh, if you look at all the best shooting guards, Dwayne Wade, for instance, Kobe Bryant, none of those guys were averaging, like they were putting up similar averages to what Jordan put up, which was roughly about, you know, five, six assists, and like is six rebound five you know five rebounds four or five rebounds a game like it just but the mark of a good two guard though is is his number of steals too Jordan yeah. was in the top five in steals for like year upon year upon year all the time and he was a nine time all defensive uh, and he was a defensive player of the year as a guard so I uh, yeah I don't know I, competition I think is a big cornerstone of having the goat argument although if you hard to talk about it with like football like when you talk about like best quarterbacks uh, you can throw it in there like you could say Brady his competition and the amount of Super Bowls he's won having to go through Drew Brees and, and Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and, and all these guys is incredible compared to what like like who Montana had to beat maybe in the 80s like if you look at the the quarterback then it was what Marino 
and that was it. Aikman wasn't really on the scene until the early 90s. So, like, who were the really good quarterbacks Montana had to beat in order to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl? I mean, he beat Boomer, right? He, in one of the Super Bowls, he beat Boomer, and Boomer was considered a good QB. Right? Certainly not a Hall of Famer if you look at the share. Well, absolutely not. No, no, not a Hall of Famer, but a good QB. It's not like he didn't face – it's not like he didn't face any competition. He faced but decent fine. competition. But Tom Brady, if you look at just in the AFC alone during his time, going through Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers, those guys are all those, – those are at least – two of those three are in the Hall of Fame. They're going to be in the Hall of Fame, Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning. And then if you look at who he had to beat in the Super Bowl, he, never, he didn't really get the competition. He never – we never saw that marquee matchup of, like, Brady versus – Rodgers or Brady versus Favre or Brady versus whoever the better – Breeze. We didn't really get that. He he went up against McNabb. And probably the best quarterback – Eli Manning. Is Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner is probably the best Super Bowl uh, – the best QB he beat in the Super Bowl. Uh, Eli Manning twice beat Peyton uh, – beat Tom Brady. So, I, I think, though, if you look at the level of competition for Brady, it was far greater. Um, we didn't get the so, – So, here's my question for you guys. The go before go for we, we go off. Men's tennis. You've got three guys all over 20 uh, Grand Slam champions. Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, Rock and Dell. How do we decide who the number one ever is between them three? Uh, that one's going to be a tough debate. So maybe we I should bring In other news, the Prime Minister of Sweden... <laughs> I don't think I'm still going with Fed, man. I'm sorry. I, I love Roger Fed, Fed because of his longevity in the game too. Real quick though, I, you named three guys that I don't even know if I would put two of those three guys as the best. I think Roger Federer has a case to be made, and Novak Djokovic maybe. But there, I once again competition. John McEnroe. Had to face Jimmy Connors. He had to face, uh, you know, the amount of uh, uh, Grand Slams he won. Uh, Well, not the same as Roger Federer, but Federer was doing it for a long time against inferior competition. Djokovic and Nadal. But was he, though? Yeah, but look at Djokovic and Nadal. When did they start winning titles? Because Nadal was winning in 2003, 2004, 2002. 2005, but then uh, Djokovic and Nadal really came around in like 2009, 2010. So there was like a five-year, six-year period where Federer was the unquestioned best player, and there was nobody even really yeah, close but, to him. I mean, he was still he was still going against Andy Roddick, Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras. He was still playing against them, them guys, and they and were Sampras, Sampras one of the top. Sampras and Agassi were 110 years old when they were facing Roger Federer. Hey, they were still playing in the finals. Hey, Mike, we might have to. No, there was still competition. Pick this up uh, next show. All right, that's all the time we got here on a Monday. Our producer is telling us to cut it out. So uh, that was a terrible joke. That's uh, full house. Full house joke, by the way. (laughs) All right, guys, thank you for tuning in on a Monday. We will be back at you on Friday with a brand new show. Uh, We look forward to coming back here and uh, discussing some more men's tennis, apparently. So, uh, everybody, have a good night. Thank you for listening.